0: As many of you know, Cafe Insider is our new subscription service that includes a podcast co-hosted by Ann Milgram and me. Each week, we break down the news and make sense of what's happening. From time to time, we make portions of Cafe Insider episodes available in the Stay Tuned feed. Today, we're bringing you a segment from our most recent episode, our discussion of the New Zealand terror attacks and the tactics that law enforcement uses to target domestic terrorists. My other question about all this is, to what extent should law enforcement be more engaged on issues of white nationalism and far-right extremism? You know, I, obviously for a long time, worked hand-in-hand with the Joint Terrorism Task Force on protecting the homeland when I was U.S. attorney, and we spent a lot of energy and effort, some of it controversial, on methods to you know infiltrate potential terrorist groups, sometimes introducing undercovers to folks who would simply on social media or at a place of worship suggested that they wanted to do terrible things, kill Jews, destroy America, and engaged in sting operations. And, you know, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort. Should we be doing that kind of thing? With respect to this other form of terrorism
1: i think it's a great question and you know you hear this argument when you and i think about terrorism and you can think about whether it's charleston or pittsburgh um or charlottesville you can think about examples in the u.s when people have been killed at the hands of um you know white supremacists um and and then the conversation is do we call that terrorism and so the way that the u.s statutorily defines terrorism. It's influencing a government by, by doing something to the citizens is, is one avenue. And then there's this list that the State Department keeps of the si- 60 or however many, I don't know the exact number today, this, the 60 or so groups of folks that are known sponsors of terrorism, right? De-
0: designated terrorist, terrorist organizations.
1: And so if we really think about it, you know, we sort of colloquial colloquially use the term terrorism because it feels like terrorism to me. And yet there is no domestic terrorism crime. There is no, you know, there is nothing that in a case, in these cases, we've seen, um, for example, murder of a law enforcement agent charged. We The charges are really about or hate crime murder charged on a, on a local level. There's there's no real federal crime that, that gets at it in some ways directly to, to what's happening. And the argument is always, well, we have existing laws, but I think there's sort of two questions. One is, is that sufficient as a matter of law? But then the second question, I think, goes more to what you just talked about, which is the extraordinary intelligence work that now happens to prevent acts of terrorism in, on U.S. soil. And so, You, you know, have to be
0: careful about it on U.S. soil.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a real question, but it is also a question of, you know, you as a sitting U.S. attorney, would you have wanted um, greater authority to sort of do the preventative work and intelligence gathering work. And it comes at a price. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I might have. But but I do think that there are certain basic things that don't run afoul of, of U.S. law that could be undertaken and accomplished. Um, you know, some of these aggressive sting operations, for example, with respect to white extremist groups, which have been done from time to time in places around the country. But maybe it's time for there to be a concerted effort uh, in Washington to think about training people to do these kinds of investigations, keeping an eye on the long term. You know, John Miller, who we've had on the show, the head of counterintel at the NYPD, has been talking about this issue for a while and talking about the rise in right-wing extremism and the increase in propaganda. Uh, and so it's a focus of the NYPD, uh, and it probably should become a focus for other law enforcement agencies as well.
1: Do you think there's also an aspect to sort of international... I, I'm I'm curious about it because it's it's not just the U.S., right? I mean, we've seen... It, just this morning, there was a um, terrorist attack in uh, in the Netherlands um, on a tram. It's not reported the full number of fatalities yet, but th- this is a worldwide question right now, and particularly through social media. I mean, there's a there's an argument to be made that there's a lot of information being shared amongst, um, and they are often lone wolves, but they're they're being radicalized and they're sort of sharing inform- extremist information. That maybe there's a way in which we can be tracking this internationally i don't i don't know i sort of struggle with the question of if you and i sit here and we think is this going to happen again tomorrow i'd like to be able to say that the sort of i mean you know you can never say a hundred percent of anything right as good as law enforcement intelligence agencies can be but have we done everything to put ourselves in a position where um we're not going to lose more lives in in sort of hate hate hate-filled extremism and i think you know the answer is not a good one right now
0: no i don't think we're doing enough I mean, one of the things, this is not a book plug, although I'll mention the book. One of the issues that I raise in the book is the degree to which you're thinking about future harm and how you analyze future harm. And when you have someone like the shooter in Parkland on Valentine's Day of last year kill 17 people, there were signs of that person's wanting to engage in some serious destruction and possibly even a massacre, but he hadn't done it. And what's a thought crime versus what's an actual crime? I tell the story of the aspiring cannibal who was a police officer. The cannibal cop. The cannibal, so-called cannibal cop, whose conviction was later overturned because the judge deemed it to be fantasy and not enough action taken. But there are things that are being talked about, like these red flag laws, where you don't necessarily prosecute someone, but based on certain kinds of conduct and and warning signs uh, and maybe some action that a parent or some other person can go to the court and take the firearm away from somebody who is exhibiting signs of doing something very dangerous and evil and monstrous in the future. And some states have passed those laws, and I think they should be seriously examined in other places as well. Anne and I also talked about the college admission scandal and the latest news from Mueller's office. If you'd like to hear the full episode, become a member by going to cafe.com insider and get access to all insider content. That's cafe.com insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until...
1: The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m.
0: The office was shocked.
1: <laughs> That's when we sleep.